Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 61 of the Pull is Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector. How's it going, Hector? I feel like I'm on a back issue of myself. <laughs> is, is this a flashback issue, or you're just trying to catch up? I'm just trying to catch up, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, you know what that means. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. On today's episode of The Full List, we've got a wonderful show planned for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. Our must-pull recommendations from the last couple of weeks. Our favorite new number ones. And whatever else we get around to. This is The Pull List Podcast. Wandering in now to our high-tech newsroom. Yeah, see? We've, we've, Jeez. Yeah, man, we've got... <laughs> wow. When did we hire him? John Stewart, um, put your shirt on. <laughs> right. How weird. Oh, man. The newsroom's just getting packed with people, and it's almost overwhelming, but it's still me in a closet with foam on the wall. We've got a cross-section of things to talk about. I just want to talk about the fact that Daredevil's about to wrap up Next month, the big issue we've kind of alluded to uh, for a few episodes now is is coming to culmination. The whole prison arc and everything is coming to this end that isn't an end, according to Chip Sadarsky. And we got some news that Devil's Reign, we know, is the event that's going to come out the other side of this. And it's going to change a bunch of things in their Daredevil universe, or at least that's what Marvel wants us to believe. Um, but as part of that package, they've announced one of the spins coming out of it is going to be Daredevil, the woman without fear. Um, so Daredevil fans, see if you see what they did there because um, they did it for whatever reason. But it's going to be a mini that's going to focus on Elektra and kind of the after effects of kind of what is going to wrap up in 36 and what's going to go on in Devil's Reign. And I'll talk a little more about it here further down in the news section because Marvel dumped like all of their Q1 updates and um, <laughs> it's a lot. Basically, I'm just going to take the rest of the show to talk about Marvel. No, I'm just kidding. I'll give you the highlights because it's a lot. <laughs> and we'll just drop that in the notes for you guys to kind of peruse through and we'll try to hit the high peaks on that one. But we're going to get more of Elektra as Daredevil, and if you didn't know Elektra as Daredevil right now, I'd say spoilers, but come on. Come on, man. We're, we're, we're there. <laughs> um, I think people have caught up on that one for now. Maybe? Anyone, anyone not know that Elektra is currently Daredevil? It's Elektra. <laughs> Dang it. <sighs> Fair enough. Um, like Jennifer Garner? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Some people are going to get that joke. Other people are going to Google it and still be confused. <laughs> um, But there you go. Well, it's yeah, time the for Bat them to wake up inside. Yeah. So, so, so Batman once played Daredevil, and you can deal with that now. What? <laughs> He's right. played Batman, Daredevil, and Superman. That's a good point. I guess he's got the bases covered at least now. Yep. Um... But, and if you don't never... know where Ben Affleck has played Superman, you should look that up. It's kind of fun, right? Well, that's fair. 
but he'll never be Billy Zane in the fandom, and that's all that matters. Do you know who was originally like the main person for that role? For Phantom? Yeah. No. Uh, Billy Zane had one person that he was competing against the entire time for the role. Ooh. Take a guess. Well, don't leave. No, don't. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Okay, now I want that to happen. That's headcanon now. <laughs> um, I, I read Bruce Campbell's biography, and um, that was one of the things in it, is that he was competing heavily with Billy Zane for that role, and he was kind of crushed when he didn't get it. So does that mean he's had a long-standing rivalry with Billy Zane, and Billy Zane just never knew? Yes. <laughs> because what's really important is that Billy Zane got that Tales from the Crypt movie. <laughs> that's that's fair, and that all of that is is now headcanon, and I love it. <laughs> that Bruce Campbell just secretly detests Billy Zane and goes around figuring out how to exact his revenge from not becoming the Phantom. Well, Bruce Campbell got Spider-Man, and Billy Zane got, you know, Titanic, so it is what it is. <laughs> wow. That's almost better than the news I started with, but here we are. <laughs> um you, you come to us for all of the amazing insight, and there you go. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm talking a lot about Marvel today, but that's okay, because that's where the news is. Um, I can at least highlight, even though it's not in my notes, that DC Fandom did happen. A ton of trailers dropped on just about everything you can imagine in the DC universe. Um, and... There, there's a lot going on there. Like, DC showed up to the party and was like, hi, uh, here's our um, comic universe, released a ton of points on the ro- on the roadmap and gave teasers to stuff. Black Adam, um, Shazam, uh, The Batman, just on and on and on and on. That Flash. It, it, yeah, it was just really impressive. Um, so you should go check out DC Fandom left all the videos up. You can just go to their website and still view everything um, now that the event is over. So that's kind of chill. So if you're looking for that, just go pop in the Googles, the DC Fandom, and you will find all the cool stuff there. And mm, Yep. Um, the Batman still feels really weird, but also really awesome at the same time. I don't, and, I don't, I don't get a weird. I just I feel like they're going dark and gritty. Um, like really much okay so this this is at least noteworthy for this section for at least a millisecond so batman can get shot at point blank range multiple times now and that's a cool thing well with the armor he's wearing it looks about right that's not how physics works (laughs) like at all i mean they even said that with the dark knight stuff is that as long as it's not a straight on shot that it can deflect it it's just that hallway scene. It's like, that's just. And also, how do you not aim for the one fleshy part that you can clearly see even in the dark? I don't know. It just bothers me a little bit, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but Batman basically kind of having the Superman vibe of being able to walk towards people shooting at him feels a little off to me. But I get that it's going to be super B.A. and everyone's going to love it. So fine. I'm that guy. Well. He's wearing basically a combo of the Arkham armor, plus I really do feel like um, I like if this is turns out to be canon, it's going to be one of my favorite things in the world. Um, mm. It really looks like his chest piece is the thing from um, Kevin Smith's one little comic book thing in Detective 800 or whatever, Ooh. or maybe Detective 1000. 
that the center bat is actually composed of the gun that killed his parents. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. And if that turns out to be what they did with this, I'm going to be ecstatic for Kevin. And just because that's super cool. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I, I, all right. (laughs) I'll let it fly. That that's pretty cool. So, yep. DC fandom. It's out there. You can, you can see the things and see what Hector and I are uh, fanboying about over here. Um, but now to talk about some of the not-so-wonderful things going on in the industry. Um, so we talked about Penguin Random House and their first week of shipping and everything, um, either last episode or episode before. Um, so they had their second week of shipping since we've met, and uh, it went slightly better. <laughs> um, this time, they bubble-wrapped the internal box to put it in a box. Um but unfortunately, about a third to 40% of those still showed up, like, completely trashed. Um, and the handling of comics seems to still be a major issue. So ha- a very small percentage of retailers are like, oh, okay, so you listened and caught up a little bit. And everyone else is like, well, you tried <laughs> by duct taping bubble wrap around everything, and it still kind of didn't work out. So it's kind of what's typical in new distribution, Lunar and... Um, all of them did go through some of this at the beginning as well. It just feels slightly weird um, from the the Marvel side of the house because they, they knew that these are all the things that were going to be concerns. Um, they know that this is the thing that shop owners definitely double down on the, nope, uh, this matters. And as a result, a lot of shops either didn't get stuff or got stuff again that absolutely could not be sold. Um, so you, for better or worse, might have missed... Um, some books this week and if you're curious that's probably part of it Um, so we're going to continue to track and see what that does I know that some of the retailers and professionals in the space have been trying to work with Penguin Random House and with Marvel to try to clean up that process so that books actually get into the hands of the consumers because that's that's the point, right? It's not just that we want our books. It's the how comic companies make money. Um, and if they don't make money, they don't exist. And that's kind of a downer. But talking about that, coupling it with two new problems, comic retailers might have a tough go here in the next coming months because add to that, you know, all of us have probably heard supply chain issues um, uttered more than once in the news about just about anything nowadays. Well, it's not isolated from the comic book industry that we mentioned a while ago, the the paper issues of that certain books were being delayed because printers just didn't have stuff to print. Um, it's taking longer to print my books like as mm-hmm. well. Like uh, my book printing time has added maybe a week to two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's out there. It's real. It's happening. Um, and on that same note, basically a lot of the supply folks came forward and said, so bags and boards um, might become scarce real quick. Um, and I've already heard because sometimes those would run backordered anyway just because they're regular supply chain. There's not a ton of companies that build the stuff that make the things. And they're saying now that talking to some of my retailer friends, there could be months <laughs> of that falling behind. And for some stores, that's their primary, how they display. That's how they get stuff out for collectors. It's how we protect stuff. Um, 
so those days are coming. So be on the lookout for delays and just it might be harder to find some of the stuff that kind of is the glue of the middle of this hobby uh, in the not too distant future. So I'm kind of concerned talking to some of my retailer friends of they're like COVID sucked because we had to close the store and stuff. And sure, all the companies went pencils down, so we didn't have stuff to sell, but everyone pretty much agreed why. You know, we had the pandemic in front of us. Now we've been back open, we've been doing things, and now it's the, well, stuff technically exists, but it's not even making it to a printer. Or if it's making it to a printer, it's not making it to us. Um, And they're starting to use terms like this could fall months behind, that we're looking at the same problems we were almost a year ago, that I, I hope the groundswell of fans that propped up their local comic store do so again because I think this might be harder for some of the smaller shops than what happened a year ago. Yikes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Warm fuzzies right there. You're welcome. Uh, and finally, like I promised, Marvel dropped their kind of Q1 for 2022 solicits of everything that's coming. I hope you kids are ready. Do you, do you like do you like you some Marvel? <laughs> um, because can we go? Um, in the X line, X-Men books go. Yeah, you know you're not wrong. On the top, X Lives of Wolverine, also known as um, Death of Wolverine, because it, Again. you know. Yep. <laughs> sorry, cool, not cool. sorry. Um, I, looks I like book. forty. <laughs> looks like forty-seven um, variants. <laughs> I have no idea the exact number, but there's a billion in this article, and it's going to be a five-part mini with more variants than you can shake a stick at, so enjoy. I can shake a heavy Um, stick. Yep, well, guess what? Uh, Devil's Reign, obviously, is something we talked about, and there's going to be... The main line there is a lot of stuff, but it's also going to spin into all the things. So Marvel really goes heavy when they go event and so lots of variants but devil's reign superior four so a doc Ock and fam spinoff is in there i think we mentioned a few episodes ago the luke cage mini is also part of that dark rain and i'm sorry devil's reign dark rain Oof. um of course x-men is gonna get in there because what you know reasons uh, Devil's Reign, Winter Soldier, Devil's Reign, Villains for Hire, uh, Woman Without Fear, like I mentioned earlier, um, Electra, Black, White, and Blood. Just Devil's Reign is going to be all over the place. So if you are looking for some of your smaller teams and folks that you've really enjoyed, there most likely is going to be a tie-in. So you're you're welcome. I also mentioned that in the mainline... Amazing Spider-Man, Ben Riley is back, and so Ben's getting his own book next to Amazing, and that's how that story's kind of playing out in current time right now, is creating the events that's going to separate the two. So if you're into the Spider-Books and all the different Spideys, well, congratulations, you're about to get a lot of it. I, I, it's not going to be in my pools, but uh, I do want to talk about the Spider-Man outcome of everything whenever we jump into that. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, that sounds fair. Um, so Spidey, 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 Spidey. Oh yeah, Mary, a Mary Jane and Black Cat book because it's what you've always wanted. No, okay. Teenage me, sure. 
Yeah. If right. teenage me that bought like the Marvel swimsuit issues, absolutely. But like not <laughs> not adult me that has to pay six dollars for a freaking book. No. Yeah, fair. Um, just in time for She-Hulk to hit the small screen, She-Hulk returns uh, in print with a billion covers. Oh, this this is one for you. I don't know whether it's something that you're really going to be into or not, but here we go. Um, World War M is coming, and Maestro is getting um, that World War M. He's going to be the Hulk that's at the center of that whole thing that occurs. <sighs> no? Maybe? Um, Silver Surfer is getting a return mini um, with Silver Surfer Rebirth, so we get a little more story there. Sabretooth's getting his own book again in the X-Books. A lot of these appear to be five-part minis, which is kind of interesting to me because that's literally kind of the model that DC announced they were going to start switching to a while back. And now Marvel's like, hi, 2022, here's all of these shorts. Silk is coming back. Fantastic Four is entering the Reckoning War. Uh, Savage Avengers ends so that we can get Avengers Forever for Savage Avengers to eventually come back again. The Thing gets his own book, Captain America Iron Man, as a dual team book that seems to be a theme in here. And just a lot more books. Like, I'm literally only halfway through this solicit list right now. For it's January. It's going to be near impossible for retailers to buy all of this stuff and actually turn a profit. No, and that's always been an argument for a lot of retailers to Marvel is the don't do this. And then Marvel's like, cool, heard. And then they release their solicits. And, like, all these books have more than one variant, which are going to be ratio variants, which are going to be purchase variants, which makes stores go, no. <laughs> and on top of that a lot of the books I listed don't have folks that are super mainline bylines right now because I'm also now two thirds of the way through this list and I hit my first book that's like a team so Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley are taking over the Hulk that's interesting that should be good Maybe. yeah I would actually I would get on that Um, Tom Taylor's talking about the Hulk's end today so yeah yeah, and Tom Taylor is writing Dark Ages. Pass. <laughs> Oof. Um, let's see. That's an old. That's a. <laughs> Seeing if there's anything else that needs to jump out of this. The short version is like if you are all things Marvel, you're not necessarily going to be disappointed, or you are because there's just going to be far too much stuff. Um, because it's a lot. Um, oh, there's another Phoenix story in there for UX fans. Uh, more new Eternals. Uh, more Star Wars, of course. Like what? Um, more High Republic, more Doc Afra. Like all their main lines seem intact. Uh, the Bounty Hunters seems to be kind of solidified as a longer term ongoing, which is is pretty cool. And then they're printing a bunch of omnibuses of the good oldie stuff is pretty much the end of the solicits. So Marvel is showing up big in Q1 of 2022. So, um, you know, start start saving them pennies because that's a lot of books. 
<laughs> not even a little, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, but it looks like it's their full expanded catalog, which I'm also not against is it feels at times like Marvel does this, that they shrink their catalog down. Um, and then something like this happens usually either early in the year or during an event season. And then suddenly everybody shows back up again, just so they can see what sticks. And I think that's why we're seeing kind of that new DC ish model. Um, Valiant, um, does this as well of here's an arc. If it works, we'll continue it. But otherwise, it was a planned mini <laughs> with five issues. Um, I don't necessarily hate that because it's a great way to go to market and see if something's going to work. And if it works, then yeah, keep going with it. But that's what I had in the news. Hector, I don't know if anything jumped out to you in the last couple weeks, but that's kind of what the industry's doing right now. When does Fear State end? That's a good question. I haven't seen... I think it's supposed to wrap up by the end of the year. I feel like it was supposed to go into Halloween-ish type time. Like, it was going to end right around then. But I I need to keep... I need to dig a little deeper into that. Because that's another thing that has a billion side books that I'm just not keeping up with. Because <laughs> um, it, it is kind of everywhere. And I'm like, mm, I'm not invested enough in this or across the well, DC dude, Enterprise. So... I'm Like, uh, I read... Uh... It was Urban Legends, you know, it's a um, a book with all the different little stories in it. And there was one that was 30 years after Future State. I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Back the truck up. I, I don't want this. <laughs> this, is, this is not something I need in my life. But that's what you need to know. That's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your other nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or in our Facebook community as well. Begin your geeky adventure together with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed. And I know we miss things because there's just a lot going on. You can just drop into either of those channels, be like, hey, I want to talk about some comics, and you will be mobbed by a bunch of people that absolutely love comics. It's like a comic book hug that is COVID safe because it's the internet. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. We can now move to... The joy of comic book collecting and finding out what is in Hector's long box, what I pile in bags on random shelves until I can get it into a box because that's how, yeah, I'm a sad collector. If, if right I'm now. totally honest, like there's just comics on the floor around my <laughs> desk chair. Oh no. Like it's, it's not even that kind of party. Like it's going to sit in a pile until I get tired enough and go put it in a long box. I did buy two new long boxes. Um, and when I bought, I was like, I'll buy, go ahead and buy two. So next round, just the comics that were on my floor filled a long box. <laughs> so. Some, some of our, some of our listeners just cringed a little bit and that's okay to each their own. But so what's going to, yeah. what's going to happen is when I have some downtime, I'm going to go through all of the comics I've purchased in the last two years and everything that is not something I want to keep on a shelf forever is getting chucked. 
or given away or sold or whatever. Yeah, I'm about to do the exercise to go into my giveaway um, boxes for sure. Because I know I've got some stuff I because because of this show that that we acquire and we read and we go, hmm, that was an experience. No, I buy so many things just for this that it's just like, nope, that was a waste. <laughs> and then all so, the stuff that I all the stuff that I don't buy for this, you put on your pools, and I'm just like, man, womp <laughs> <laughs> womp. The pool list is just gonna be like Chris reads his pools, and I just put samezies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ditto ditto all right man well kick us off then t- t- tell me what what i what i what i didn't put all right so first off let's just say um uh joker eight um because one of the things that we've actually that's been a fun little uh thing with joker has been lady bane mm-hmm. and I, st- I still don't know what her actual name is if i missed that um <laughs> But uh, this Joker Eight was literally just a Lady Bane backstory. Um, nice. And I wasn't I wasn't mad at it. I didn't feel like it was a waste or super contrived. But it literally is one of those. I've become self aware, and I don't want to be what I am. And basically, Lady Bane wants to kill Joker for Gordon since he doesn't have the stones to do it, so that she has purpose. And. Um, she's just walking around being vengeance because she can be vengeance is where it's at. Um, like literally there's a lady having or spoilers. Uh, not really. I don't know. You probably don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Commissioner Gordon is, or sorry, Jim Gordon, because Renee Montoya is commissioner now, which I still feel is a super whack write off. Um, um, like just way to neuter a whole character. Um, but, uh, Gordon's having a conversation with someone and Lady Bane just walks up and rips that person's arm off because she was in the way. Um wow. So yeah. yeah. Takes af- takes after dad a bit. Yeah. Um but honestly it was just a getting a backstory on Lady Bane was cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Um just seeing a little bit more of her and she's an interesting character. Plus let's let's be super honest guys. Uh, DC hadn't done anything good with Bane in a very long time. It's been a hot minute. Um, personally speaking, it's just personally. Um, but obviously everything I'm saying is personally. Um, mm. but the last time I felt like DC broke any ground with Bane or did anything good with Bane. I feel like Tom King was good with the reflection of Bane and everything he was doing. Right. Uh, but I don't think it was up to what Tom King could have done with Bane. Yeah, because basically the, the I, I, I want to finish what I started is interesting, but it wasn't compelling. Right. And um, the fact that Bane, for the most part, was just Joker's pawn. Not great. Right. And that was kind of the letdown in that of the, like, if it actually reached its, oh, Batman actually could could face the guy that almost succeeded, it was the closest to having killed him, um, and 
Tom having a record of doing really crazy things, I was hopeful that we'd see that. And then, right, then it became the, oh, these are all brainwashed pawns of someone else. It's like, well, that's less interesting. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, Bane in the first couple arcs of Tom King's run was good. Yes, um, really good. It was compelling. It was like, this dude's on a throne. What's happening? I'm liking your storytelling. And then, um, you know, either way, I just feel like there was the best. Personally, the last time I feel like Bane was used well and in a creative fashion was Gail Simone's Secret Six arc. Mm. Because putting Bane in a team dynamic where he's actually functioning with moderately sucky supervillains on a weekly basis was fun. It was brilliant. It was compassionate. I was just like, I enjoyed that. In fact, I really want to go pull out my whole Secret Six run. And by the way, I'm saying her original Secret Six run, not whatever happened in Rebirth or New 52, mm-hmm. whatever that six arc thing. I don't know. I think it were like 14 issues, but it was weird. Um, the the original Gail Simone Secret Six run, I think, was a masterpiece. And um, I think that was some of the last time we had Bane just be amazing. So Lady Bane is fun because it gives us something fresh associated with the character. Um, um, Batman Urban Legends number eight. Again, this is an anthology book, so it's, you know, all over the place with what the content is. And I'll say this, it's not worth it for all of the content in it. Like if I had paid for each of these books individually, I'd be a sad man. Um, (laughs) but there is i I'm just going to for this one story. There is a, uh, now not all of the stories are bad either. There's like a thing where like, uh, um, Cassandra Kane has been framed for murder and Kate is trying to, Kate Kane is trying to solve it. Um, and that's kind of fun, but it's all tied back to fear state, which also kind of sucks the joy out of it. Um, <laughs> but the, but the one that I do like, um, which takes place before Arkham city is that, um, there is a Azrael story. Um, mm. and, um, it's him, literally, like, because all the time we see Azrael, it's always tied to some big freaking epic thing. Yep. And we don't ever see Azrael just, you know, fighting street level crime. Yeah, he's not. He's not a bra- a background um, character typically. Right. And so we actually get him literally chasing down street level crime. Hmm. Um. Bec- and we're getting him with a backstory. Again, because we haven't used him as anything other than uh, a costumed zealot. His stuff in Detective was good, but Detective went in weird directions. Um, and by I say Detective, I mean the um, the last little spurt they all had where they were a team with like Clayface and everything else. Um, right. But uh, in this one, it's literally him living in a church mission home, working as a hospice nurse. And then fighting crime on the side. Huh. So he's literally having conversations with a dude dying of cancer about hope and faith and stuff like that. And uh, he goes to confront somebody and a bad guy dies. And so Batman shows up. Did you kill him? Blah, blah, blah. You know the rules. Gruff talk. Um, (laughs) You know the rules. And uh, he's like, it wasn't me. It was the other dude. He's like, no more bodies, Ezreal. Grr, grr, grr. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, he's like, listen, dude, I know I was programmed by Order of Dumont, blah, blah, blah. But I'm actually 
like learning the word of God for myself and oh, seeing the truth of it. And I was like, oh, go on. And it's literally like he picks up a Bible like he's about to pimp slap Batman with it and <laughs> um, says, look, dude, I'm reading this for myself. I'm not brainwashed, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was cool. That was a refreshing moment. Like um, I bought the book, honestly, because of a dope Azrael variant cover. And again, we don't get a ton of good faith representation in comics. And so I was going to see what That's they fair. did with it. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to talk about the other side of that coin when we get to mine. Yeah. Ew. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ew. Uh, so that being said, uh, Urban Legends was fun, if nothing else for that. But just for the record, um, the Azrael story is a three-part and starts in Urban Legends 8 and will end in Urban Legends 10. Hmm. So if you don't want to jump into um, all the other stories and you just want to check out the Azrael thing, eight through 10. Um, so on that, so we did Joker, we did urban legends. Um, I'm going to jump over to Batman Catwoman, and I'm going to say this. I'm only putting this on here because Chris took lonely city <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and all of the other things that I read, I honestly didn't want to put on my polls. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, that's fair. I, I read a lot, and I didn't want to put any of this stuff on my pulls. And so let's look. Let's look. I'm literally I, looking at them. I put a lot back in. I, I create piles while I'm reading. And this week I had to go into my rejection pile to find a final book. <laughs> I had to go into my meh pile to find a book. Um, um, now, and just like we recommend books to you guys, when Chris recommends books that I haven't read, I end up buying them too. Like currently, I have uh, Run River Run, mm-hmm. uh, Firefly Thirty Two, and the Maze Book sitting on my floor because he did that. So I got to get to that. But um, I read the end of uh, Doctor of uh, but a bit of what's his name, Strange Adventures. Ah, um, yes. So so I, I I was right in in just not going there, right? <laughs> um, it is a it in terms of payoff. It's a million years more of a payoff than Rorschach. Okay, that that's fair. But um, that bar is also really low. <laughs> that bar is real low. Like Ror- the the best thing about Rorschach was the covers. Yep. Um, <laughs> and that's you know, that's not deep. Um, so um, and by the way, Rorschach, we're talking about the Tom King run that just ended. Um, but like it, uh, I'll say this. Strange Adventures is a noir story um, that yeah. is a murder mystery detective thing where Mr. Terrific is solving a not solving a crime that they don't know that is a crime. Um, like he can tell something is off. And it literally is that. So if you want a gritty uh DC layered backstory noir thing. This is it. Um but literally, dude, I feel like this whole thing should have been in black and white the way it plays out in noir style. But mm-hmm. it would have been boring. Um it, it and the only major thing it does is um I think I mentioned this on issue ten, but like uh like they kill Strange in eleven. Oh um, dang. So, like, you know, I mentioned this, like, two months ago that, you know, 
he was in a pile of blood or whatever, but like, yeah, he did. Um, and so like they killed him in issue 11 and issue 12 is the culmination of here's what happened. And so it's just like one of those things of like, okay, y'all told a story here. I don't think the story is going to impact anybody beyond the general scope of this story. Um, but it, it gave Mr. Miracle a little more depth, um, which was nice. Um, and it, uh, I didn't know anything about Adam or Dr. Adam Strange's wife. Yep. So yep. there's a lot more detail on her. Um, but it's not in my pool. Um, Homesick Pilots has been a book I've been beating its drum since day one. It's not bad, but it's not great. I feel like Ooh. it's lost its steam. Um, but that's again, if you would have stopped with the original arc, cool. But literally the last few arcs have been, they are turning the monster things that we talked about in the first one into kaiju battles. And, um, okay. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's think the, the whole, the book centered around, uh, warning, moderate curse words. Um, there's <laughs> could be for me. That's a lot. Um, Ooh. uh, but uh, like the t- there are two bands, uh, the homesick pilots and the nuclear bastards. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and like the whole thing was from the beginning of the book, it was them as punk rock bands. Then uh, Evil House ate half of them, and then like the lead singer of the band became the avatar for this ghost house. Well, now um, the lead singer of the or one of the people from the nuclear bastards is doing the same thing on a corporate level, building their own monster kaiju to take out other monster kaiju. And it's literally a battle of the bands again with monster kaiju. Um, Yo, punk punk does not go corporate. How dare they? Well, and that's part of the thing is that it doesn't. And then like that she can't control it. There's a whole storyline, but it's, it is what it is and it's good. Um, ah. But it, it still is not, it peaked, I feel like, at the first arc. Um, and Batman, the standard book, still exists. Um, <laughs> that's about what I'm saying. It's not, it's, it's not blowing my mind. I just want Fear State, Future State, whatever state of the Union to be gone and over. <laughs> and um, But I will yeah. say this, just because we talked a lot about it over the last hot years. Um, uh, I caught up on Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. or the Amazing Spider-Man, yep. read through all the Kindred run and read up to issue seventy-six. Yep. Um, I am not amazed. You're right. And for this to be the Amazing Spider-Man, yeah, I'm I'm not amazed. Um, it was okay. Um, but I feel like they like really undercut all that they built with Kindred. And I really felt like they yahtzee every Spider-Man idea from the 90s into a cup and poured it out on a book. Um, yeah. And then when then they just hard transitioned after Peter and MJ technically went through like the most impactful, quote unquote, events in their life, replaying some of the crazy stuff that had occurred, explaining some of it, retconning some, but not really. And like... You know, normal comic book level of trauma is like at 11. And then in the very next book, it's like, 
oh, I guess I slept in today and I'm going to go out and, oh, goodness, there's this Ben Riley guy and the story moves. And it's like, yep, that is the most comic book thing I have ever read. <laughs> and that that's my thing, is that that's what that did. And um, I felt like this was not the way to go. Um, I, I, I was so drawn into Sin Eater and the Kindred thing, and I just really felt like they just swatted it away. Okay, I'm done. Cry baby. Yep. Um, but uh, oh, you're gonna just, you're gonna say good things about Batman and Catwoman? I, well, I was just saying it was the bottom of my pull list, but yeah, that's why. Um, and here's I was this. gonna Go yeah, ahead. I was just gonna say quick on that one of the I, I I feel like that book is starting to lose its center, and we're heading towards the ending point. Like I'm still kind of curious, but I I feel like it's been meandering and. At eight, it got lost, and maybe that's just me. Yeah, and that—that's what it is. Like eight felt trippy. Eight right. felt like it wasn't, uh, like good direct storytelling. Like it was telling a story, and then it really felt like a fever dream. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly why it made it to my pulls is because it did feel like a fever dream because it was spooky. It did feel creepy. Um, it felt uneasy. It felt like I was reading, um, the Arkham Asylum book from back in the day. Um, right. Because like the semi-spoiler thing, it's not really, but I, it's part of the creep for me was when Joker made it a point more than once in that book to talk about how he killed someone and then ate them or plans on killing someone and then eating them. I'm like, did I miss something? Cause he said it like three times in that book. And I was like. That's oddly specific. <laughs> well, it's got a good throwback to um, the long Halloween of Joker breaking into a family's house on Christmas. Right. Um, so it had a good long Halloween thing to it. But seeing Phantasm and Joker working together yeah. was rough. Um, and seeing Phantasm, like, creepily address a child. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Like, and so it gave me the heebie-jeebies. And that's why mm. I'm going to put it on here. Yeah, just because it wasn't my favorite stab at storytelling, but it was impactful. So there's that. And Um, I just want to point out at this point of your four pulls, three of them were number eights. Yeah. So it's a whole. It's Hector on the eights. Yep. I'm waiting for my weather forecast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then my last pull for the standard stuff is Hulk 50. Um, And I jumped. I'm not recommending this is always the best life choice, but I jumped (laughs) back in. It just picked up the last issue. Um, Okay. I've been following along to the point I knew where everything was and checking the pulse of this thing for a while. But I started Immortal Hulk um, like with the first issue. This podcast was existing 50 issues ago when this was going on. And um, uh, it's gone some weird places and they've dealt a lot with heaven and hell and there's like scripture on all the pages and stuff. So I really wanted to see how it played out. Um, and the short version of it is that, uh, they descended into hell, which is the place below and they call it hell several times, like standard, not even beating around the bush. They descended into hell several times or into a place where the different parts of Hulk are split apart. Mm. So there's the dumb Hulk, the, Joe the- Fixit Hulk, which is Red Hulk, and then Bruce Banner is like a is like ripped out of him as well. Um, so there's the different parts of Hulk scattered across this hell, and they have to go 
like piece them back together. Um, but in this, they face like the 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 evil, the force that's been behind it is the one below, which is uh, mm. you know, the devil. Um, but it turns out it's Mephisto. Like, no, and by the way, oh. man, bump that <laughs> crap on Spider Man. I was like, I like joking about it being Mephisto, but when it's actually Mephisto, I feel like I got my chain yanked. Um, but I digress. Um, the uh, so they descended in hell, and it's basically the Hulks confronting the one below, or the devil, or whatever the thing holding hell together was. And Hulk's like, I see beyond your guys, or whatever. He's like, Show me your real face. And then they straight do uh, a four page open spread. Like, it's a splash page that you have to fold from two directions um, to open. Okay. To reveal that it was God. What? The one, like, because they were fighting the one below. Uh, this was the one above all. Um, but like, and uh-huh. it was God. Like, so like you're fight. he's talking to this monster and then he reveals in this four page splash that it was actually God all along <laughs> and that God was using Hulk as an instrument for all the things. And that was Hulk was mad. He's like, why are you, why do you have me to be what I am? Um, mm. it, it was this existential thing. It was like, God, why it's the whole thing of why is there destruction Lord? And it's like literally a theological conversation as God just kind of looms over them. And like, he's like, <laughs> and what I will give a small golf clap to, um, is like when Hulk asks that literally God starts saying the thing, same thing to him that he said to Job, the same scripture oh, that's in mm-hmm. Batman. Like, yep. where were you when I laid the foundation? But he's like, and Hulk literally brushes God off and says, screw it. It ain't right. <laughs> and walks away. Um, it's like piece him out. <laughs> he does. He just like eh, shut up and like Hulk. So Hulk um, ignores God. It goes on, but like it, then it points out to the fact that it was God also needed Hulk to show mercy, and that brings the climax of the story. And then they literally brush off a suit and say, "Cool, good talk," and leave. It's over. <laughs> so they they go to hell. Wow. Piece Bruce Banner back together magically fix it and then he puts on a suit and says i feel good about life la da so <laughs> this is not the ending i would have expected of 50 issues of telling the story now it was beautifully crafted it was well done i didn't see all of the parts and they they added levels of the hulk story that go back to the 1800s okay so like the the hulk story began in the 1800s with their ancestors and so it was passed down all along. And it's just like this. It, they added some cool layers to it. But yeah, just being said, it was not what I would have expected from a Hulk book at the end. Okay, I'm done. Go. Sorry we're <laughs> going long today. Um, it's, it's a things. Yeah, but it's all right. Because that's... Wh- uh, I, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, so I'm supposed to follow that with one of my picks. Uh, yep, can't do it. Great. Um... So top of the, I I have I I'm doing the thing where I have two books that I I want to bring to people's attention and then talk about the thing that hey you're either gonna love this or hate this, um, and that's kind of where I ended up. So Trial of Magneto number three um came out during the last couple weeks and 
uh, Hector, I think you mentioned that your store didn't get it or sold out or, you know, got paper shortaged, you know, one of those things, something happened. Um, so I'll avoid the end, but the, I, you talked me into picking up one and two and I read those and I went, Oh, I don't hate this, that I do like how this story is setting up the murder mystery of who killed the Scarlet witch is at least interesting. And they mention it multiple times of who the heck was able to overpower the Scarlet witch. That is a very valid question. Um, and so I, I wanted to see that play out and the Avengers had come to their, you know, new little island nation and they're not mutants. So that's like a big deal in and of itself because they've beat that into you over all the X books of human beings don't come here. Um, but here we are. Um, and some shenanigans occurred towards the end of the second book. Um to try to fool the Avengers because they, they don't want to be like, Oh yeah, an Avenger is dead. Um, but that the Avenger is dead. And so weird stuff occurred, but we know that it's someone mimicking the Scarlet witch to try to be like, no, everything's cool. Um, except that she does not possess the memories of her previous self. And we've got some mutants that can look into that and they do. And they see most of her regular history and they're like, well, that's confusing um, because this doesn't feel like who Wanda is. And Wanda's kids are also like, yep, that's not mom. Um, but then we kind of flash. They did this in the first two books of where Wanda is in whatever nebulous place she is. Um, and I'm not going to give away the ending of the book, but I'm just going to say I hit the end of the book and went, I'm done. I'm good. I don't need to read the rest of this. That That's what <laughs> issue three managed to do to me. Um, and I don't know. It's either I'm issue over. Issue three single-handedly took you out? Yep. Because <laughs> I hit the end and I was like, yep, don't care. I was like, that's to me, either that's the laziest direction you could have gone or it's, I don't know. It felt, there are times that I hit comic book type events where I'm like, okay, that's not surprising, but I'll allow it. And there are other times I hit it and my brain goes, no, you can do better. I'm out. <laughs> and for me personally, that's that's where I hit because it the issue feels like it already tore apart what was an interesting story. Um, and now I'm going to look up the solicit because now I'm curious. It is a five, so it's going to wrap up. So that's why that three had to have the turning point and the turning point didn't hook for me. Um I can be wrong. I'm often wrong. And X-Book fans usually say I'm wrong. So, you know, hit us up and tell me why I'm wrong and why I should care more about the ending of Trial of Magneto number three, but didn't do it. So I I always try to at least bring attention to books like that in my polls um, so people can know because comics be expensive nowadays. Um, so, yep. And expensive. the next one. Yeah, it's expensive. Um is from DC uh, Horror Books because they're just like, here, read all of the spoopy things. It's October. And it's a book called Soul Plumber, which just the cover of it made me go, okay, I'm in. It's like a dude wearing, you know, like a Catholic priest collar and like some kind of weird metal detector and his buddy behind him has half a face. Well, the half a face dude does exist and that's really messed up um, in and of itself. But... I started reading this book and my brain kind of folded over on itself because the first half of this book is about this kid that went to seminary and like failed out and is still trying to find his God-given purpose. And the entire conversation up to like halfway through this book is like pretty grounded, feels grounded. 
quotes scripture a lot. Like I'm sitting here going satire, not satire. And then it gets bad <laughs> for, for people that, that follow Jesus and all that. Um, this, this book gets super uncomfortable, super quick. <laughs> um, because basically he gets conned into going to an airport Hilton to watch this guy that basically has this machine that can exercise demons out of people, but it's a total scam. Um, like the machine doesn't work. It doesn't do any of those things, but, uh, the kid finds the blueprint for it, thinking it's all real, um, builds it. Um, and the end of the first issue is he gets it to work. (laughs) Um, so that's kind of the, the tongue-in-cheek gimmick here is that the soul plumbers are, you know, these televangelists that are selling this thing that doesn't work to other people to try to exercise demons because that's a thing. Um, and But that it doesn't work, but this kid randomly figures out how to get it work um, with his other buddy who follows a very strange person who – slash cult <laughs> that basically swears all the time, and that's how they find enlightenment. So – if any of the things I just said is cringy, you're probably right. Um, I'm kind of curious how the horror aspect of this hits, but he's just technically pulled his first demon into the quote unquote real world of this book. And I'm assuming that's where this goes even more sideways, but that's the setup. So when I said it's literally kind of the opposite of what you were talking about, um, that this is definitely one of those, it's either going to be really interesting to you or it's going to be like, wow, that was incredibly painful. Um, and you're not wrong. So weird, really weird, but there you go. Um, my last two books for this week should come to no surprise to anyone that listens to us are both Jeff Lemire. And so that's the unbelievable unteens number three and May's book number two. Uh, the Unbelievable Unteens with, you know, their kind of comic book um, Umbrella Academy-esque group of people that are still trying to figure out. They had their memories wiped of a major event that occurred in their comic book past. Um, and this book, they're kind of getting all the pieces back. And they know exactly what happened and why it happened. So they've gone back and forth from the original comic that was drawn um, of the event to as the flashback still, which is still a cool mechanic to me. Um and you're getting a little more pers- interpersonal relationships of the team. And Jeff Lemire just does this comic-adjacent storytelling really well. Um, and so anyone that's read any of his Black Hammer universe stuff understands what I'm talking about. That, you know, it's comic book, but I don't know. I don't want to say it's gritty because it's not gritty, but it feels more real. Um, but they're definitely like people with superpowers that are just kind of like, yeah, I got to go to work though. (laughs) Um, or nope. Um, that was a super traumatic event that occurred and we do not wish to return there. Um, hero or no hero. Cause like in this one, cause they had their memories wiped. Like two of them are like, yo, I got kids. I'm not doing this no more. (laughs) It's like, nah, I'm good. Um, so I'm still fascinated by how that one's going to play out because it's a it's a different level of storytelling and still has that superhero overlay but plays out differently. And then May's book is Lemire doing what he does extremely well, which is examining tragedy, real tragedy in people's lives and how we cope with it. Um, and so, like I mentioned before, this has very underwater welder um, vibes now even more so that 
this is a book that you need to look at his art and determine what is real, what is a dream state, and what are potential future states. Because he does a lot with his coloring that will tell you early in a lot of books what those things are and where they fall in the storytelling. So he is very visual on top of his actual storytelling. But it's still this dad that still thinks that his dead daughter has called him to find her. And so he's still piecing the pieces together to figure out what that means. And I don't, I don't know that I'm in a place I want to read that, though. That's like I bought it because yeah. of what you said. And I'm like, mm, it's a heavy read this. Right. It's a heavy story. Now, not knowing where he's going to go this particular time, a lot of them kind of have closure type moments and end up being mostly feel good. But the journey can be somewhat painful because he does not avoid like real emotion and stuff like his main character is kind of like just going through the motions of life because he lost that one thing that is super important to him. So it's one of those things of, yeah, no, I'd have to say you kind of do need to be in the right frame of mind to read some of his books like this because he's going to poke at some stuff and it's, it's not kitschy or anything like that. It's like, it's really, it, he deconstructs emotion really well is kind of my takeaway from a lot of these types of stories. Now it's got some fantastical elements, um, but we're only two books in, so I still don't quite fully know where he's going, but um, he's searching for his daughter who literally called him um, and said, come find me. And the maze overlap to kind of give everyone the hook is that his daughter really liked doing mazes and was like perfect at them, you know, always did them in pen, never messed up. So the whole thing is when she calls, she says that I'm in the center, find me. And so he's about to go through this maze of life, et cetera, in finding quote unquote, his daughter. Um, so yeah, it's a heavy lift, but I'm along for the journey because he just tends to do a really good job of doing that. And so that leaves us for wrapping up with our number ones. So what did, what did you has? Well, sir. Um, <laughs> well, and we had read about this, but I had totally forgotten it until uh, Todd Turner had mentioned it um, to me. Um, and Todd also said that uh soul plumber was a little too uh, icky for him. And I'm down with that. That made him feel uncomfortable. And that's just one of those things. I'm like, Cool, I'll let you tell me about it. If you keep <laughs> right. Um, but uh so uh we have demons uh is a digital exclusive um to Amazon slash comicsology. Um and it is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, which if you read any of the uh New 52 Batman, stuff like that. That was those guys and some other stuff like that. So, I mean, they're they're a great team together. I love their work together. Um, but uh, we have demons as a trip. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is not going to be for everybody. But if it's for you, you're going to have a, a ride. Um, and what I, and I did, uh, if you listen to LTN radio and stuff like that, I did a uh, one of the three minute devotionals, um, the one eighties on this book. Um, but the, uh, the concept is that, uh, there are the two elements of heaven and hell. Uh, I think they were called halo and I forgot what the other thing was, but basically like 
almost like nth metal type stuff mm-hmm. from DC. Uh, one is an element of heaven. One is an element of hell. The crashed earth forever ago. And there's like, I don't know, seven or eight weapons left out of the heaven material that can just like, like windmill kick a demon and kill it. Um, demons are very much so like the, uh, Buffy verse or whatever to the effect of they just look like people, but you know, they're actually horrible monsters inside. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the, the story follows a little girl who, um, who is the daughter of a pastor and she grows up, uh, with her dad being this cool dad, but he goes, he goes missing a lot you know, he like shows up like kind of bloody every now and again. He shows up wounded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when like they drift apart as she gets older and then he dies. And when he, she shows up for the funeral, um, basically, uh, uh, she finds out that her dad was one of these legendary demon hunters. Um, mm. one of the eight that are left and he left her an ax that is a demon hunting thing. And, um, like, you know, she just got past the torch basically. Um, uh, it's, this is a book that uses a lot of scripture, but it's a book that also, you know, uses a lot of language and, um, like literally one of the, it, the book describes itself as a book where you'll see someone's insides ripped out through their butthole. Literally. Oh it the book describes itself that way um <laughs> like in the in the opening intro um uh but uh why it's interesting most interesting to me is that it came with a uh warning label a trigger warning in the intro um and that's where the butthole thing came from it's like uh you need to be warned about uh, you know offensive things in this book and we're not talking about the fact that people are going to get their insides ripped out through their butthole it said that uh, <laughs> the uh, I just want to see how many times I can say that on um, the podcast. Uh, but the the actual warning came from the fact that the book is going to talk about faith. Oh, um, and like genuine faith. And um, so that was the thing is like, that's why it said it was a warning, um, because that uh, as Scott Snyder put it, that faith gives him the heebie jeebies. Um, and huh. Uh, that it's something in doing that that talking a book talking about faith makes him uncomfortable and he felt like it needed to have a warning. Um, so here, here here's the actual trigger warning at the book, but it's also a book about faith. That's the trigger warning part because for people, for some people like me, faith makes them uneasy. So I felt I needed just to put it out there. You've been warned, and so okay. this is a book about hunting demons uh it's not a tbn level book this is like a wow this is really aggressive monsters and stuff um like it starts off with like before it flashbacks to the young woman and quite like the main character of the story sitting in a living room with these this wholesome family from church and she's like and i'm about to murder these people with an axe (laughs) and it's like what (laughs) and then it flashbacks and all the things so uh, as a first issue goes, it was a roundhouse kick to the grill um, of just how off the chain you can take a single first issue. Um, 
if this book keeps this pace, I'll read every issue. Um, if this book deals with faith and the honesty that it did, I'll appreciate every issue. So there's that. We have demons. It's available digitally. I'm sure it'll be available in print at some point in time. But if you have Amazon and Comixology, it's free to read. It's free. Now, I think I purchased it um, just so I could like purchase it. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a couple weeks because um, I actually Todd told me about this after the last time we recorded the last episode. So, um, yeah, that's mine. And you got cool. the magical Lonely City. Yeah. So Lonely City, uh, black label DC following uh, Catwoman in a future state of things. Catwoman, but is not a, future state. Yeah, but not. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> why don't. yeah no so not future state but in the future scott snyder um, that's what needs a trigger warning yeah state. yeah right listen um but catwoman's been doing time she's a little older she's a little you know a little gray a little old um getting hit in the retirement years and she's been released from prison and we basically find out that she got put in prison for supposedly killing batman and the book's gonna play out what that actually is about and everything. So I won't spoil any of that. Um, that's not the spoiler. <laughs> um, and she's being re And so part of most of this first issue is, you know, basically felon reintegrating to society and a society that has leaped way beyond her. Um, and hey, can I just, just say yeah. seeing Selena Kyle in sweatpants on public transit made me laugh. Right. No, and they and it's clear that they're doing a lot of stuff like that, like very on purpose, and yeah, because <laughs> and they, and even she talks about that, which is kind of funny. Um, but the story kind of unfolds. We find out that Harvey Dent is mayor, um, so Two Face is mayor and is running for reelection. And and to be clear, this is not a world where Harvey Dent didn't become Two Face, right? He, no, he, he is Two Face. He is Two Face, like still Two Face. <laughs> yeah charred half body whole nine mayor good times um we find out that gotham has changed greatly <laughs> um in 10 years uh they're hitting on some stuff that you might feel slightly familiar or you know shadows of our own future because like everything's gone to digital currency of g money gotham money um cash is only accepted by little bodegas and stuff so you know selena goes to get her first latte and a scone and it costs like 20 bucks and they won't take cash and they're like what planet are you from have you been in print oh yeah um so there's there's little things like that going on the the police force has a very peacekeeper vibe, but not peacekeeper vibe. <laughs> so that that made me cringe for a second, but I see what they're doing. It's still a kind of dystopian Gotham's future type thing. Apparently, a massive hurricane came through and wiped out half of Gotham. Um, I, I found that kind of middle information to be somewhat interesting to the greater story of everything. But basically, Selena's like, cool, got out of jail, um, no money, got to do the things. So she kind of starts visiting some of the old rogues gallery that were supposedly her friends looking for help. So she goes and sees Penguin, who's running a legit um, casino. <laughs> and, like, he's even like, it's like, yeah, it's like, who knew that breaking <laughs> breaking good would actually pay so well? Um, he refuses to help her, and that kind of happens. She ends up at a dive bar and runs into Killer Croc wearing his, you know, velour tracksuit 
um, drinking his sorrows away. And both of them are kind of talking about being old and not being, you know, who they used to be and everything. And we then get some of the flashbacks of what put Selena in jail, the event with Batman and where this all started. And that kind of just kicks this whole book into, uh, into gear without giving away some of the bigger pieces. And I think it's delightful. Um, seeing these, these folks as like near retirement age of like, we still got it. Um, is, is kind of funny. Um, because it plays on some of the older tropes of these villains, but also shows us sides that we already know and love and everything. And I think we're going to get a two face story out of this. And when done well, I don't hate that. I know Hector doesn't hate that, so I'm ready. I still stand by that Harleen was the best Two-Face story in the last decade. Valid. Um, So now we just get to see how this one plays out, and I'm for it. And with that Lonely City name and everything, we can tell that this is also going to play out fairly noir-ish, and it definitely has some of that vibe. Um, So I'm down. I'm in. Like That was one issue that I was like, this is different but I'm in. So I'm excited. So that's going to do it for us here at the Polis podcast. Episode 61 is in the books and now in your ears. Hector and I want to thank each and every one of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, so many more. If you can listen to us somewhere, you can probably click like, etc. And we thank you in advance for that. So thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more comics. Seven continents is a game of risk.